Welcome to the Mind Over Matter podcast with Heather Hakes, where mindset is everything. Thank you for joining me for today's episode. If you haven't yet, be sure to subscribe and share this episode with your friends. This podcast was created to help open your awareness to the truth of who you are, a limitless being. You are worthy and deserving of an abundant and prosperous life. It's time to peel back the false beliefs and remember who you are, light and love. For additional resources or to contact me directly, please visit my website, heatherhakes.com. Again, that's heatherhakes.com. Without further ado, let's dive into today's episode. Welcome to episode number 399. In today's podcast, my guest is sharing with you her journey to recovery and most importantly, how you can train your brain to live in harmony. Welcome to today's interview. I brought on Maureen Ross Jim. Maureen, welcome. Hi, welcome. I'm you're you're doing the welcoming. <laughs> Start over. Thanks, Heather. Thank you for joining. So please give listeners a little background. Where do you live and what do you do? I live in Windsor Locks, Connecticut, which is Northeast, and uh, we are having a nice day, but expecting snow tomorrow. I am a leadership trainer, an author, a coach, and a speaker on all kinds of things. And I consider myself a personality expert. And I also have a course called Recovery at Work because I work with people in recovery and I have a podcast as well. So I do a lot of different things because I love variety and I'm having a good time doing it. Well, and I talk with every guest before we record, but I'm excited. What we're really going to hone in and dive into today is about the six components to the brain. But what I want to highlight and share is, and this is what I love about different guests that I have on. We have, we study and follow a lot of the same teachers. So we definitely have a lot of similar experiences, but the reason I love interviewing guests is we all have a different perspective. So maybe if you want to give a a brief background on how you got into what you're doing today. You know, I had a, um, a huge transformation in my twenties. So back when I was a young teenager, well, first of all, I came from a Irish Catholic family. So my mom had like six kids in eight and a half years. I was number three. And so I was just one of the pack. I was always told what to do and when to do it and how to dress and what to eat and what to say and what not to say and all that stuff. So when we start breaking away as teenagers are wont to do, I really didn't know who I was, but I knew I wanted to fit in. I wanted to be one of the pack. And so what was everybody doing back in the seventies? sex, drugs, and rock and roll. You know, that's what we did. So I fit right in. I started drinking and drugging at a very early age. And by the time I was 15, I was full-blown alcoholic. I pretty much missed my first day of high school because I just wanted to get high. I had too much anxiety. I didn't want to go, that sort of thing. Um, I skipped so much school in my 10th year that in my junior year of high school, I spent the whole first week in detentions making up or in, yeah, in like detention, basically making up for all the detentions I missed in the previous year. And the same was true in my senior year, but I did graduate just barely. And I immediately got a job in a bar and I started, 
you know, um, doing what most alcoholics do, and that's whatever to do to support my habit. I knew, I, I, I will say that I always had a strong work ethic. I worked full-time, and then I worked part-time in a bar or a restaurant so that I could drink for free and meet guys and that sort of thing. And finally, uh, I was uh, just really creating this horrible reputation for myself. And by the time I got to like, you know, 21 years old, I just realized that probably the reason I was so screwed up was because Connecticut, right? Connecticut sucks, right? So I left and I moved to Texas and I lived there for four years. But in the first two years, I lived in San Antonio and then I moved to Austin and everywhere I went, all the same chaos seemed to follow me. And so that's when I realized, huh? And I, I picked up this book called Think and Grow Rich, you know, by Napoleon Hill and I, or. Yeah, Napoleon. Yeah. Okay. Was it him or Clement Stone? But anyway, I read a lot of those kinds of books and, but in the beginning I couldn't, I, I started to try to think more positive. I thought the reason was, you know, I was going to get rich or actually have money, but money has nothing to do with it. It's about manifesting, right? And, and really getting your vibrations up and your thoughts focused and aligned with what your heart really wants. But I couldn't change anything in my life. Nothing outside of me changed. My situations didn't change until I gave up the, the drinking and the drugging. Pardon the interruption. If this content is resonating with you, I want to offer you some additional resources. Check out my website, heatherhakes.com, and take the free life assessment. This is a great tool to take inventory in life where you're feeling in alignment and abundant, and where you're simply feeling stuck, stressed out, or as someone recently emailed me, completely ruining their life. I've also created a self-study course all about mindset and manifesting. Again, check out my website, heatherhakes.com and click on course. Finally, if you are ready to deep dive and really transform your life, I offer one-on-one -on -one coaching. I will teach you what has taken me years and tens of thousands of dollars to learn in which you can start implementing right now. To learn more and schedule your free strategy call, visit heatherhakes.com forward slash coaching. Now back to regular programming. So I did reach out for help and I got the help I needed. I got into a 12 step program and I started my personal growth journey. And uh, then I moved back to Connecticut at about a year and a half sober. And I met my husband and we got married. I've created an awesome life. I had a 30 year corporate career here in Connecticut which I left about um, eight years ago in 2013. Uh, and I started my own business called Emerge Leadership Academy. And along the way, I developed quite an extensive network. And I have, you know, spoken, I, I have written a book, and I just love, love, love coaching and helping people. And I realized in my journey to uh, help leaders and train leaders really good leadership skills, like empathy and caring about people and building relationships that we all have different personalities. And so I, I dove deep into that. And I realized that the really amazing thing about leadership skills is that every time I asked anybody in my classes, what leadership skills and attributes do you attribute to your best boss? Think about the best boss you ever had. What were the best things about them? And the list came out and it's all those things that we know, honesty, integrity, 
uh, listening skills. They care about me. They coach me. They take my ideas into consideration, blah, blah, blah. They, they, all those things. I mean, you know them. And I realized that those are all the things that we learn in recovery. When we do deep personal growth work, especially spiritual work on ourselves, we become more compassionate. We have a much more open-hearted approach. We um, dive deeper into what are our skills. And then we stop letting people bug us so much because we learn to feel our feelings and we learn to process differently and we, all of those things. So anyways, along the way, I have just had such a good time helping people in recovery to step up into leadership, as well as leaders step into recovery, if you know what I mean. So something I wrote down while you were sharing that story is, and I, I think it was in high school. I remember maybe it was from like a cosmopolitan magazine or something, but I I've always been a quote girl. I love quotes. And I cut out this quote and I remember putting it in my wallet and the quote said, wherever you go, there you are. And so <laughs> kind of like you, no matter where you live, your environment and the reality never changed because you were the common denominator. And I had a very similar realization when it came to dating, because no matter the guy, no matter the face, I was the common denominator and I kept attracting the same kind of person. So again, you with alcohol and your own recovery, me with feeling unworthy and whatever those BS, you know, I call them belief systems are, but BS, those limiting beliefs we are the creator of our reality. And for me, it wasn't until one, I had to become aware, but it's also, I believe, taking responsibility, being self-compassionate, and then choosing that you want different. Oh, totally. Self-compassion is so important. And we don't, we, we hold ourselves to such high standards and our ego is constantly telling us ourselves, right. Our in our mind, you're not enough. It's not enough. And that not enoughness, that message, it does keep us small. It does hold us back a lot of the time. So if you, we can get a handle on that, you know, we, we feel unstoppable when that's yes. in check, when we really build our self-esteem, and know that we have so much to offer, it's great. But you're, you're absolutely right because taking full and total responsibility, people don't wanna do that. The people really don't wanna do that. They're like, no, it's not my fault. I was raised in this kind of a family or I, you know, I didn't have privilege like you had because we're a lot of talk about privilege now, right? I, I have, I've had a lot of privilege. And sometimes I think, you know, well, I don't, I don't deserve it. It's just all of it's BS. It's just that, well, I yeah. call them, I, you call them, you call it BS. I call them uh, rules, like bullshit rules, right? Oh, nice. <laughs> that we have in our heads. Rules. Right. But if you realize and you know that you can reprogram yourself and you can change those, that system in your mind to whatever you want it to be, yeah. um, you know, it's, it really makes everything so much more hopeful and joyful in yeah. your, in living. It really does. So something you said was building self-esteem, but for me, I almost feel like it's more of a, it's an unlearning or an undoing of all the thoughts we created that were not. And so, you know, so many teachers out there do talk about the subconscious mind and the reprogramming of it and nerves that fire together, wire together, you know, we can go on and on, but I mean, that's something I practice all the time. And that's what I call building the mindset muscle, but it, it is a consistent, persistent 
you know, like choosing different thoughts, choosing if we want to talk about vibration, but the high vibe feelings, because, okay, I, I like to come up with pictures. And so for me, something I talk about often is the thought cycle. And so it's an easy four step, understandable process that our thoughts create our emotions. Our emotions lead to our actions or inactions we take and ultimately our results. Right. So, so I, oh, go ahead. So, you know, I've heard, and I know you probably have too, there are some people that work, put one foot in front of the, the other, and they work, work, work towards the goals that they want, and they finally achieve them and manifest. And then there's other people who just say, I'm going to think something different. And then they don't have any effort at it at all. And they still end up manifesting it. Yeah. So I, a lot of it has to do with how are you wired? And what is your belief about your hard wiring, right? So I certainly don't get it. And I wouldn't say that I'm an expert at it, but I will tell you this. I've been sober 37 years now, right? Is that like maybe as long as you've been alive, right? So I'm like, <laughs> and I will tell you that I still, when I meditate every morning, at least probably four, if not five of my meditations in a week, in a one week period of time are 20 to 25 minutes of affirmations. I am still reprogramming. Mm. I still am, you know, I have goals. I still have things that I'm striving for. I, that I haven't been able to manifest, but I have a really good life. I don't have conflicts with anybody anymore. I've come so far because I've completely, well, I think mostly change really, really changed the way that I think. And it's because I don't give up. I don't, I, I, I'm diligent about it. Do you know what I mean? Do you, what do you do for your meditations? Well, I, before I answer that, I wanted to ask you, I, I do think it is about our belief system. So if you believe that you have to hustle and grind, mm -hmm. make things happen, work 80 hours a week in order to get ahead, that will be your reality. Mm, On the other hand, true. if you believe you can get into alignment, into flow. And on that note, I've been listening to, I love Dr. Joe Dispenza, but one of his meditations is flow. And so I am thinking and feeling that life happens. And I've experienced that I don't have to effort and struggle, but I don't believe that that has to be my experience. So even for you doing this work and on your journey, since you said there are still things you want, have you figured out what your resistance is? Well, I haven't been able to figure it out that hence, that's why I've spent about $150,000 on, you know, trying to upgrade it. But in the long run, I think it just comes down to um, looking like, for example, abundance, right? That looking around me, I have so much abundance, but the ego always wants more, more. So that whole idea yeah. of sort of being able to, and I'll, I'll share those six different faculties of higher functioning brain, um, but the, the, this idea that it always wants more and you can separate, you can sort of separate because you know, like when you're meditating, we have an observer, right? And it, we can observe our thoughts. And sometimes a thought comes in and it's like, it horrifies me. Oh my God. Like I didn't, I, I did not just think that. And yet I, this, I'm not responsible maybe for the first one, but I am for the second one and the third one and how we don't want to continue uh, down that rabbit hole of negative thinking and that sort of thing. But um, so we have to be able to change those or at least separate ourselves from them and not beat ourselves up 
for having, you know, thoughts, because we all have a dark side. And if we deny it, and if we don't own it, and if we don't take responsibility for it, it'll come back to bite us. And, and, and the universe will continually give us lessons so that we can look at and heal that and, and get in alignment with, you know, all of the different parts of ourselves. Does that make sense? Yeah. Well, it's something Peter Crone teaches. So he's um, a British guy living in LA and he coaches a lot of like pro athletes, but Peter Crone said something to the effect of, and relationships, I feel like are our greatest lesson, right? We Mm -hmm. learn so much through other people, but his quote is something about people will come into your life to kind of highlight or help you realize where you are not healed. Yes. So triggers. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and somebody else might say, God will give you nothing but angels that every single person that comes into your life is just a messenger. It's just a messenger. They're not, you know, and Neil, I mean, um, Wayne Dyer would say it this way, you know, there's, if you squeeze an orange, what do you get? Orange juice. Orange juice. Did you create the orange juice? Well, no, not really. That juice was always in there. So when somebody squeezes you and anger comes out, that anger is yours. That anger was always in there. They just push the button to let it out. And that is a messenger. That person is a gift. Try to go into corporate and tell those people that. (laughs) (laughs) They're like, oh no, you're the cause of my pain. It's not good. I feel like so many people, and this has been big in the last couple of years, um, blaming their quote, narcissistic ex, that they're a victim to that relationship. And I just want to be like, oh, no, they were actually a huge gift. And, and I also do believe if, if we are judging another of arrogance or, or whatever negative thing we want to give them, it's actually something within us. Yeah. Which I think is now I'm maybe going out on a limb here to say this, but you know how the whole country is divided in a lot of ways with our mm-hmm. beliefs. And mm-hmm. some people like believe that the, the, you know, the voting was a farce and other people believe that it was, per- you can't, how do you work with that? You can't even change it. But I think what's happening is that, um, that our collective dark side is finally getting mm-hmm. acknowledged. Yeah. It's finally getting acknowledged and uh, aired, if you will. And uh, we have to, we have to listen and look and, and receive and somehow affirm that it's all part of the collective and it's okay. And that's, that will heal it. I think more than anything else. Well, and that's why I, I actually have a shirt that says it, but in this 3d world, this human experience that we're all in, it is created on duality. So right, wrong, religions, politics, we can go on and on. And that's why the shirt I have says race, human, religion, love. And I forget the other two. But if we all remember and come to the point, come to the foundational basis, we all come from one single source. And if we would remember that and let go of our differences and judgments and and the right or wrong, this literally would be heaven on earth. Yeah or the walls separating countries and the, and the <laughs> yeah. stupid policies. It's like yeah. ridiculous. You and I can be across the country talking to each other right now. And it feels like we're in the same room. Yeah. Boundaries are just a bunch of BS too. Yes. It's true. 
Okay. So I really want to get into and highlight what you shared yeah. with me briefly, but I, I'd love for you to talk about it in detail is the six components to the brain. Okay, sure. Um, yeah, there's, there's a lot to our minds, right? We, I studied this in, uh, because I got my master's in education, right? And I also got my undergraduate in psychology. And I too love the study of human behavior. I love personality types. I love all of this sort of thing. But I do know that the biggest, you know, we can be our own best friend or we can be our own worst enemy. And if you're going to take full responsibility for your life and really for every single thing that happens to you, that means you're never a victim right? We are not victims. And in order to be victors over our own life and do that manifesting and creativity that we love to do, then we have to get, uh, we have to really harness the power of our brain and, and the six higher functions. So the first one is imagination, right? And imagination, it can be used with the best tool, right? It's, it's visualization. Well, what is it that you want? You can make this stuff up, you know, you can make up anything you want. You can imagine yourself in any way, shape or form. If you have that mental capacity, I've also led people through, um, um, visualizations and, and uh, meditations. And some people, I know that there is a percentage of the population that says, I don't know how to imagine. I can't see pictures in my brain. I, they don't know how to use that, but I would say that that's not true. Every single human has this gift. They mm -hmm. it's a muscle. You have to learn to use it. You have to practice just like any other muscle, right? So imagination is um, you, we, we can use it for good by imagining what it is we want. And the good part about imagining is you got to get yourself into the feeling part of of it, you know, using that all of your emotions to fuel that energy vibration of what you're imagining. So when you're thinking about, you know, what you're, what you're grateful for, or what you want to manifest, you, we think about how grateful we would be if we got that call, you know, if we just went for a job interview and you imagine yourself or you're getting the call that somebody wants you to be their keynote speaker or getting the call. So you imagine those things and you feel the good feelings and that's what helps, um, bring that to fruition. And the second one is intuition. And we talk a lot about this in spiritual in spirituality circles, right? Because our intuition is what I, I believe it's our higher self. It is our, it is a spark of ourselves that is divinity that is in direct connection with God, or is that spark of, of divinity that is God. You can call it the Holy spirit, the higher self. I don't, and you know, sometimes you, you could call it, um, you know, you, we, we can give also, I, I sometimes think, you know, spirit guides and the way that they talk to us, our angels or guardian angels and things like that. And masters, maybe they're outside of us. Maybe they're not, but eventually I just know that we all have an uh, inner guidance system. We have wisdom and it's not for everybody. It's just for me. In other words, my advice is just for me. I know what's good for me and what's not good for me. I know what my purpose is on the planet right now and what it isn't. So using your intuition, you have to turn down that mind chatter and the negative thoughts and the fears and really listen to that still small inner voice. The, you know, the most difficult part of that is differentiating what is that still small voice and what is the, you know, what's the ego voice? 
On that note, I, I just want to add something else. I think of intuition is kind of your internal compass. I love and it. I've, yeah. I've tested this and figured it out too. You know, if you really hone in and pay attention, we've all experienced it. But I, I love how somebody said the ego is loud and chaotic where your intuition is more of like a gentle whisper. It's a nudge. It's a tug. It's a we know the difference. Yeah. Yeah. And even if you're like, I remember in my using days when I was out there using, um, sometimes I'd find myself in a situation where my intuition, even though I was wasted or whatever, it would say, don't go in there or Mm -hmm. don't go with him. Don't get in that car. Don't go, you know, and I don't think it was fear. I think it was my higher self just trying to talk really loud to, to keep me safe. And, uh, I, I, off, I learned to listen even in those situations, but that's neither here nor there. It's really, it is there, but so many people just, they, they get into analyzing it too much and not feeling, is it expansive or is it constricting, right? Mm. You know, that, how do you feel it in your, in your, in your body? So I do think that uh, meditation has a lot to do with helping to quiet the mind learning to quiet the mind and listen to that intuition. Okay. The third one is memory. Now memories, they can bring up traumatic experiences. And if you don't realize what your brain is doing, you will constantly relive the trauma over and over and over. And we've all seen it happen, especially when I can't, you know, those videos that are like, America's funniest videos where you're watching and somebody keeps hurting themselves or falling off the skateboard or, you know, and they're, I, I can't even watch those because when we relive things in our memory, we feel it in our body. Our brains don't know the difference, right? So that's how you can re-traumatize yourself, even if it wasn't even your experience by watching like violent movies and things like that by getting into that, but the memories themselves, you can make things smaller, neuro-linguistics, you know, you can take the trauma and really make it small and far away, maybe take out all the sound and just watch the scene and your, and, and that will diffuse a lot of it and, and help you to process it. But let, think about the good memories. Think about the ones that where you've experienced as much love as you can. The ones that you had your highest levels of vibrations at, those are the ones to hold on to and revisit over and over again, because that will keep you in that high level vibration state. So you can manifest a lot better. I want to add to that. So as an example, kind of like when you're reminiscing about past relationships or reminiscing about difficult moments, you're right that we go back to, and this is what Dr. Joe Dispenza calls a refractory period. But we go back and we revisit that. But by revisiting memories, which are thoughts, we tie that to the emotion. And then we stay in that anxiety, worry, fear, depression, anger. We keep it alive. Oh, yeah. You, yeah. you hit, yeah, hit the nail on the head there. It's totally, it's unhealthy. <laughs> it's not, it it's go. not good for us to do it. Yeah. But unless you're talking to your therapist and you really want to work through it, because, you know, the more you allow yourself to feel that feeling, then you don't have to go back there again. If you just stuff it or deny it or ignore it, that's not good either. You do have to feel those feelings eventually. But I will say that one of the amazing things that the brain does, and I took dream therapy for a couple of years, is that if we don't get a chance to process all of our emotions during the day, we will sometimes process those while we're sleeping at night. Mm. 
and it will keep continue to process. So you can just say, okay, dream world, go ahead and take all this crap away from me. I'm going to wake up refreshed. <laughs> and then hopefully you'll forget about it. All right. But um, to use, you also want to use your senses when you are exercising your memory, use your senses, get into your, those feelings again, just like your imagination it for the good ones. All right. The fourth one is reason and logic. The reasoning brain processes so many, a million billion amazing facts and, and of, of data points that are coming at us every day. And you know what it does a lot of times with that incredible stuff? Not only does it help us compare and contrast and make a better decision, because that's what we use it for, mostly decision-making. It also helps us create ideas, new ideas that come out of getting all the research and the data to come in. So that's an amazing positive thing, a way that we use our reason and our logic. And it's a really good thing, especially you know if it makes sense to you. What often happens is a reason or a logic might not line up with our heart and what we, our soul like wants us to do. So we have to work on getting our values in order so that we can really stay in alignment. Um, but those, that reason and logic also, the negative part of that is we can use that to rationalize and delude ourselves and deny <laughs> and, and uh, yeah. keep ourselves small because of the fear. Analysis paralysis. Yeah, that too, right? Yeah. yeah, we can say we're not making a decision because we don't have enough information. Yeah, overthinking. Yeah, okay. The fifth one is perception. Perception is very interesting, right? Because if I was to hold up a dollar bill in front of you, I'd say, what do you see? And you would explain a completely different picture on the back of that bill than I'm seeing on the front of it you know, the two si sides of the same coin kind of thing. Um, it is a dollar bill, but we have a different vantage point. We have a different viewpoint because of the families we were raised in, the part of the country we were raised in, our race, our color, our, our gender, uh, so many different factors, not to mention our experiences, our values, our belief systems. Um, but the, the long and the short of it is perception is made up of our conscious and subconscious mind functions. Yep. They use both conscious and subconscious. And what gets through is determined by whatever agrees with our beliefs and our values and what our mind like um, believes is important. So if I don't think it's important, it's probably not going to get through to me, right? If, um, if I do think it's important, I'm going to see it everywhere. It's like, you know, those exercises that Abraham Hicks talks about all the time where, you know, you just focus on something for like a, a, a 17 dotted, seconds. Yeah. Yeah. 17 seconds of focus on a, a polka dotted car. You're probably going to manifest and see some car painted with polka dots on it, or, you know, it could happen. So that's yeah. the thing. Um, what we focus on expands and that what comes through our perception, if you never get anybody else's perception, you're going to get stuck. You're going to get in a rut because there's a lot of other perceptions in the world and you're just one part, right? Of the whole. So that makes me think like our perception only is very narrow. Um, it could be. Right. It's like we have blinders on, but once we become open. And yeah. so that's why I live by a state of curiosity. I'm just open. I'm curious. How do you do things? How do you think about things? And then that like slowly keeps broadening our horizons and 
um, you know, I think that's how and why we study other people. It's their perception. How, how can I get into flow and ease and abundance? That is the best way to live, Heather, yeah. because when you do that, you're going to learn and grow and expand. And that's what I think we're here for, to expand. Yeah. And so the last one is, is a pretty quick one. It's the will. The will is the part of our brain that we use to focus. And so many people say, well, I can't stay focused or I have ADD or I, you know, and they, they have excuses for why they can't. But the truth is when you want, when they want something, when you want something, you focus, you go for it. And we've all experienced that the truth that, you know, we just have to keep asking ourselves, do I really want this? Do I, is this something I should put my time and attention and energy into? Because if it's not, then, you know, turn your attention to something that you do really want. And then everything gets a whole lot easier and better and easy to focus. So will and willpower is a little bit different. Willpower is, you know, just really reminding yourself until it becomes a habit. Cause the first time you start meditating, it's like, Oh my gosh, monkey brain. I'm just, I can't focus. And so I'm going to, yeah. I'm going to beat myself up because I'm so scattered. And it's like, no, no, you can't do that. It's like yeah. saying, well, I'm not going to meditate because I can't control my thoughts. <laughs> yeah. Well, how can you, that's like saying, I'm not going to work out because I'm not strong. Yet. <laughs> yet. Like, Right. And I think the word yet there is good because you're right when you and even now, I mean, I've been dabbling in meditation for years and I still experience monkey mind and but it's it's better. It's easier. And then, you know, I, I my mom taught me early on. She's like, when those come in, think of your thoughts as clouds and let them pass by. Don't attach to them. Don't resist them. Just and just let them go. And then when you do connect and you get into that flow state in the meditation, like that is, you know, working the mindset muscle, but that is, I think what brings you back. And it's like, it's so exciting. You want to do it again. And, but you're right. It takes practice. So question for you, because I think the six components to the brain, I mean, this is some powerful stuff, but are, do you have daily rituals or, or something that you do on a consistent basis to help you stay aligned? to stay focused? And what do you do when you get off track? Well, you know, there's so many things to think about, Heather. That's like saying, okay, well, I have to make sure I'm balanced and that my finances are in order. My, so are my relationships and my career and my friendships and my health and my, and you, you know, you just can't focus on all those things all the time. So when something is out of whack, that's when I go back, right? If I am not feeling good, uh, for whatever reason, then that's when I say, okay, well, it's time to do some visualization. It's time to do some um, logic and reasoning here. And, or it's time to do some, some workout and uh, change my perspective, get a different perspective. So these are just tools that we can fall mm. back on when we need them. And usually something will tell you when you need them. I don't think it's a daily practice that you need to do necessarily, except for meditate your mind and work out your body. If you can keep those two healthy in that way, um, these tools will be a lot easier to use. I think another thing that's important to highlight is I feel that, and I've definitely fallen trapped to this. We take life way too seriously. And why I bring that up, I asked you a question and that was, if you could give humanity your billboard message, what do you want people to know? And you had two words. Have fun. Yeah. (laughs) 
we might as well have a good time while we're doing it. You know, another uh, podcast we might do sometime in the future will be to talk about personality. My yeah. personality is really about having fun. Uh, but unfortunately, that's why I drank for so, you know, and I had those experiences. But you know what? It was all for my greater good. I do believe that everything happens for my greatest good. But the more that I can stay in those high levels of having fun and enjoying life, then um, the easier it is and the less painful it is. It's just fun a natural high instead of drugs or alcohol. Indeed. Yes. Well, then I have a question for you. What do you believe is a key takeaway you want listeners to get? Well, I do believe that all of your growth per, you know, that it really involves going within. We can look outside of ourselves for things to make us feel better all the time. But the most important thing is to keep doing your own personal growth, self-reflection, meditation, understanding your feelings, and stop looking outside yourself for people to blame because you are responsible. And that's, that's the, that's really the crux of the message that I'd love to give. Yeah. And, and on we that all note, have this great light that we need to shine. So yes. shine, shine it. Yeah. Yes. That's funny. I actually, I have it on my wall over there, but it was from a daily flip calendar a couple of years ago. And, and it is something about being a lighthouse for others. And that has been my driver to, to be a leader, to be an example. And just so that we all remember we are so powerful and it's like, who are you pretending not to be? Oh yeah, that's good. You are doing it, Heather. Just by having this podcast, by doing all the personal growth stuff that you've been doing, you're an excellent, powerful example of what it means to have an abundant, awesome, focused life. Thank you. Okay. I have a few rapid fire questions I'd like to ask you to wrap up the interview. Okay. First one, what is a quote or motto that you live by? Well, I would say that I do live by nothing has any meaning except for what we give it. And that's from A Course in Miracles. Yes, that is a good one. What is a book you're currently reading or highly recommend? Oh, I'm currently reading Atlas of the Heart by Brene Brown. What's a, Very, what's a highlight of that? Well, it's all about um, compartmentalizing, if you will, all of the different emotions that we feel. Most people only feel, believe it or not, the researchers say, like they'll name three to four emotions, anger, sadness, happiness, you know, boredom. That, and that's like, what? So she talks about 87 different emotions and I want to learn more about all of them and how they can make our lives a whole lot easier oh, nice. if we learn how to deal with them. All right. Final question. What advice would you give your younger self? Don't worry. Don't worry. It's going to be okay. You're going to be all right. You're going to turn out okay. You're going to have so much love in your life. Just don't even worry about it. Just keep being your beautiful self and you're going to be fine. Such a great note to end on. Maureen, thank you so much for joining me. Thank you, Heather, for having me. Thanks for tuning into today's episode. Don't forget to subscribe and share this episode with your friends. I'd love to connect with you on the social platforms. You can add me on Instagram at heather.hakes or subscribe to my YouTube channel, Heather Hakes. I'll catch you on the 